The 1986-87 season was a great one for the Purdue Boilermakers. The 24 regular season wins were the most in school history. The 15-3 Big Ten record matched the best conference mark since 1969. And the Boilermakers won their second Big Ten title in seven seasons under Gene Cady. But with the NCAA tournament still to come, there was work yet to be done. Welcome to Cady Corner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gene Caney Show. We are from Syracuse, New York, the Sheridan Hotel. This was a game the kids had talked about for 365 days, and we had really looked forward to it. And it was a game about like we thought. We knew it was going to be very tough to get by them because they have a great basketball team. Six Big Ten teams earned bids to the 1987 NCAA tournament, though the seeding may have led to some confusion. Indiana split the regular season crown with Purdue, and finished with an identical 24-4 record. But the Hoosiers were given the top seed in the Midwest region. Iowa finished a game behind Purdue in the conference standings, but they drew the two-seed out west. And the Boilermakers? Well, they were given the three-seed in the east region, despite not being ranked lower than seventh in the country all year long. It was a curious draw to say the least. But as the Purdue squad headed to Syracuse, New York, they had one thing on their minds. First-round opponent Northeastern University and their legendary senior future NBA All-Star Reggie Lewis. Here's Katie Corner from March 14, 1987. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gene Katie Show. We are from Syracuse, New York, the Sheridan Hotel, in between the first and second sessions of the NCAA here being held at the Carrier Dome. And I'm Larry Clisby along with Gene Katie and of course, the Boilermakers started tournament action in fine fashion by knocking off the Northeastern Huskies by the score of 104 to 95. Gene, it's been a few years. I know this is something you definitely wanted to finally take care of, and finally the victory is here. Well, we had a long dry spell, Larry, and the, and, uh, the last one we won was with Robert Morris down in Tampa, then Arkansas beat us. And then we just couldn't get over the hump. Memphis State beat us, then Auburn, and then last year, LSU down at Baton Rouge. So this was a game the kids had talked about for 365 days, and we had really looked forward to it. And it was a game about like we thought. We knew it was going to be very tough to get by them because they have a great basketball team. In fairness to you, though, every game with the exception of the Memphis State game was a game that uh, really hurt uh, mentally because the games were so close. The Auburn game, the two overtime loss to LSU, that's what really hurt. Well, it hurt because we could have won the Auburn game and we could have won the uh, uh, game last year with LSU. So, you know, uh, those things kind of stick with you if you're a competitor and our players were competitors and they pledged themselves to get back in this thing and do well and so far they have. Did you think at all that this would be a game that you'd have to score 100 points to win? No, I really didn't think that would happen. I thought it would be an offensive game if we got in the, in the groove of their style of play, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, they're, they're not very good on defense, and we're not very good on defense lately, and it got to be an offensive game. So uh, we had a lot of free throws, and we made them when we needed to, and we made some big shots when we needed to. And, you know, Doug Lee just played great and, and was possessed almost and just carried us. Let's talk a little bit about the, the, the way the game developed. Uh, it started... Uh, I think a lot of people felt that uh, this would be a close game by the half. Uh, it was a 44-41 game. You seemed to be able to take control midway through the first half, had things pretty well in check until maybe the last three or four minutes, and then had a little lapse there at the end of the first half. Well, we've had trouble lately when we get a, a spread of nine points, seven points, 
some people uh, against great teams where it seems like with three minutes left in the half, we've had a history of getting a little bit casual with our passes and they'll get back in the game and make it a run at us and get it down to two points, three points like they did today. And uh, that's been a great concern of our staff and it happened again. So uh, thank goodness we fought through it. Talked about Doug Lee's performance and the great offensive game, but you have to be pretty pleased the way he handled things defensively against the great Reggie Lewis. Well, he had the best game of his career, uh, Larry, without a doubt. He had his hands full with Reggie Lewis, probably a, uh, a lower division or a number one draft choice in the NBA draft in June and certainly in a high number two draft, and Doug did a great job on him. Uh, if he hadn't had all the free throws he'd had, we'd shut him down pretty good. Did you think that at halftime with that three-point lead, what was what were some of the thoughts going through your mind as you prepared to club for the second half? Well, we were concerned, uh, but we had played a lot of people, so we felt like we were in better shape as far as endurance. We thought we had warmed down pretty well, but we were upset that we'd let them have 41 points and we couldn't stop them, and, and uh, they were a handful. I'll tell you right now, uh, their record was not deceiving. They, they deserve that record. You made some substitutions in the first half that I think people question, not qu questioning your coaching ability, but that we hadn't seen them before. For example, Dave Stack played in the ballgame. Tim Fisher played in a situation where we really haven't seen him much this year. Your thoughts on those substitutions? Well, we were in foul trouble first half, so we got Kip Jones in and uh, early and rested Todd. And Kip had played very well in practice the last three weeks, has had a great improvement in his shot and has worked very hard to become a better rebounder. His ankle was completely healed, and we heard it again today, and that was uh, really something that I hated because Kip had been coming along. And then Tony Jones had not played well lately at, in, in places, and he came in and did a good job right off the bat. He went in there and got a steal, and, and uh, we scored easily and got a five-point lead because of Tony Jones. And, uh, of course, Jeff Arnold has played pretty consistent lately. And then in the second half, after you took control, I think in the last... Golly, six minutes of play. There must have been 5,000 free throws attempted. The uh, final total really was um, 83, but you say that isn't a record. No, I think Manhattan and West Virginia had the record in 1957 of 91 or 92 uh, free throw attempts with the two teams together. I thought it might be, but it certainly took a long time, and that was a long, long afternoon, especially the last minute. Well, you did very well down the stretch, but I will say that you did miss your last five free throws, all one-and-ones, and still one by nine. You needn't remind me because that was the part of the game where we told our players, hey, this thing's not over. we got to keep hanging in there. Boilermakers win their first NCAA game by the score of 104-95 over the Northeastern Huskies. We're going to talk a little bit about Purdue's second-round opponent, Florida, knocking over North Carolina State. A lot of people felt that North Carolina State was on a similar roll as they were in 1983 coming into this tournament. Florida in a really a strange game, trailing by nine after a big run by uh, North Carolina State, was able to uh, run off 17 points in a row and beat this ball club. Yeah, it was a very uh, weird game because we were kind of in transit going from the Dome uh, to our hotel, and we knew that North Carolina State had a nine-point lead, so we thought it was over. And then we get to the hotel, and they're down eight, and it's over. So, you know, it's one of those things that happens in NCAA basketball, and Florida's in the NCAA for the first time. And uh, they're very, very competitive, had a great year in SEC, and a lot of people picked them to win the SEC. So they're certainly capable of beating anybody in the country. It's almost like when you scout that ball game, you're, you're thinking to yourself mentally, okay, I guess we're going to be playing North Carolina State for the next five minutes. You're thinking, well, what are we going to do against North Carolina State? Then 
bingo, things change, and now you got a whole new opponent and a whole different scheme of things. Different styles of play from those two clubs, I must uh, say, too. Well, Florida has a great freshman center. He's 7-2, and it'll be hard for us to match up with. Uh, thank goodness he's only a freshman because he's going to be a great player someday, it looks like. Probably have the two best uh, guards in the country as a combination. I don't think I'd rather have uh, them than our two guards in Everett Stevens and Troy Lewis, but uh, these two young men, Maxwell and Moat, are certainly tremendous guards, very quick, and will be hard for us to match up with. What do you think, uh, as you go in strategically to that ball game? Uh, what you'd like to see done as far as uh, getting a victory is concerned? Are you looking at a half-court game? Are you looking at a transition game? Uh, would you like to be physical with them? What would it be? Well, I think they're a little bit like Northeastern uh, as far as whether you want to play a half-court or full game. I don't think they're going to let you play a half-court game because they throw a lot of different defensive schemes at you, and uh, they're going to come at us with everything they've got with both barrels. So I think it's going to be a 94-foot game. Gene, talking about preparing for a tournament game and so forth now you're to the second game of the tournament and just getting everything ready and getting people ready to play a little different atmosphere obviously than you see during the regular season no question about it well you're playing on a neutral court and i like that because that's new for us but uh it's something that uh i think it's fair to both teams uh, florida doesn't have any advantage we don't have any advantage it's a very big game for both of us to be able to go on to the regional and it's going to be a you know a, probably if syracuse would would come through with a victory and uh, get in the in uh, the game on Sunday too. The crowd's going to be there for Syracuse, and you know that's going to be a, a situation where it's going to be a great ele electric atmosphere, and it's going to be just like it is in Indiana Indiana high school basketball. It's going to be a great uh, situation, great environment, and we're certainly looking forward to it. I'm sure Syracuse fans realizing that both Florida and Purdue would be good opponents. I don't have the slightest idea who their fans would be rooting for, because regardless, they're going to play one or the other. I don't think they really care. Uh, I don't think they have any reason to dislike us or Florida either one because we haven't played each other for six years. And I think that they're just knowledgeable basketball fans like our fans, and they just want to see good basketball. Coach, let's go to our letters section. No matter where we travel in the country, we're able to bring the letters with us. And we'll start off with, uh, Dear Coach Katie, what is the purpose of the phrases that are worn in the players' practice shorts, and how are they useful in helping them to prepare for the games? This from Melody Udy from uh, Robin Hood Drive out of Seymour, Indiana. And uh, if anybody's seen Purdue practice, uh, you do have some lettering on most of the practice jerseys. Well, on the seat of our pants, we have play hard. So uh, when you see people run away from you or around you, you, you see this, and it just kind of is part of our total philosophy. We started that at Arkansas when I was there. We had it in our practice shorts. We did it at Western Kentucky when I was there. The players like it, and it seemed just to kind of be a motto we have that, that carries over, and it causes us to all have good intensity. So you started it there, but what was the idea? Who came up with the idea to do this? Well, Coach Sutton did, and, and the, the uh, coaches there on the staff at Arkansas in uh, 1974. Here's a letter from Nancy Hutchinson from Otterburn, Indiana, and she writes, I hear you talk about the study table from time to time, and it sounds to me as if every practice includes a study a session. Is that true? And could you please give us, the fans, a description of the study table and what it entails? Well, we have study uh, tables uh, four nights a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and it's in our players' lounge in Mackey Arena. And uh, we have tutors. Bob King organizes this, and it's a situation where we just have um, uh, a, a good overall attitude towards the academics. I think that uh, 
Uh, it's a, a carryover from their philosophy here from years as far as emphasizing academics. We've had 21 uh, seniors since I've been here, and 20 of them will have the degrees when Timmy Fisher and Doug Lee gets get theirs this summer. So it's just a, an attitude we have that uh, that's why we're here. Academics is number one. And Nancy Hutchinson will be our winner this week of some Nike footwear, and we'll be sending a certificate out for Nancy. Nancy Hutchinson of Otterburn, Indiana, Rural Route 2, Box 165, our winner this week. Okay, continuing with the letters coach, a lot of coaches have superstitions such as lucky jackets, sweaters, and even socks. Do you have any lucky garments or superstitions? I really don't get too carried away with that. When we beat Iowa, uh, I did have a four-leaf clover with me, and I kept uh, carried it with me until, until Michigan beat us. And uh, now it's getting close to St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we'll just continue with that. But since I am Irish, I do use the four-leaf clover a little bit. But other than that, I've kind of shucked all the superstitions. I found out they don't mean a whole lot. That's from Johnny Purvis of West Lafayette. He does have a postscript here. If you don't have any lucky garments, he'd be willing to loan his uh, lucky underwear for you. Uh, yeah, got a comment on that? No, thank you. Okay. Now, uh, you got any questions you might want to ask me since it seems sometimes that you and I are overheard from time to time? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have a discussion that was overheard in Michigan, which, you know, you open your mouth, you insert foot type thing, and, and it wasn't anything that I was very proud of, so it's just too bad it hap had to happen. I will have to say this about you, Larry. After the Michigan State game, probably you were the happiest person in our group when we won the league, and I really appreciate uh, that because I know how hard it is sometimes to set up there for you and Lanny Siegel and go through some of our uh, not uh, playing well times and uh, the fact that sometimes we just don't do the things that maybe we want to do as a staff, and you guys have been very patient with us. So I really appreciated uh, your attitude after that game, and Lanny's the same way. He does a super job supporting us, and I thank both of you. Well, unfortunately, we weren't great support for you in that Michigan game, but we're glad to see you were able to get through that uh, and get back to the magic level against Northeastern. Some final comments on the show this week. Uh, you got to be pretty proud of these kids to bounce back like that because I've never seen a club take as much uh, hurt as badly from one loss as Purdue's program was in that Michigan game considering the type of year that they've had. Well, I think the circumstances surrounding it, uh, the story that came out in the Michigan paper and the fact that we lost our number one seed and we didn't win the league by ourselves, and even though uh, Indiana deserves congratulations too uh, for winning the league like we did, they did a great job uh, staying in there all year and, and, and getting the co-title. And, uh, it, you know, it's something that uh, we're very proud of. I know they are too. And and uh, it was something that, that it hurt us. And uh, uh, we just felt like that we let a lot of people down. Down, and I felt like I let the players down when you don't play uh, like that in a big situation. I think you ought to play it at your best when, it's, when it means the most, and when we don't, I feel like I let people down. Well, what a year you've had, 25-4 to 4 at this point. We hope that the Boilermakers will pick off another victory, and we'll see you next week on what we hope will not be our final show of the year. Thanks for joining us here at the Sheridan in Syracuse, New York. Thank you very much. All right, that does it for this week's Gene Cady Show. Again, we're hoping very much for another victory so things can turn out better and we'll have a chance to talk to you again next week. So, so long, everyone, from Syracuse. Coach Cady mentioned that Doug Lee did a nice job defensively against Reggie Lewis. What he didn't mention was that Lee probably had the best offensive game of his Purdue career. Lee finished 10 of 14 from the field for 29 points to go along with 13 rebounds while holding Lewis to just 23 points, 12 of which came from the free throw line. The Boilermakers advanced to take on six-seeded Florida in round two. 
And that's where we'll pick things up next week on Katie Corner.